Hey, I just want to look into the camera this morning, and I just want to say a special hello to all of you that are watching wherever you are hunkered down right now. I know we got people watching from all over, and we just want to say that we love you. We pray for you. We are so grateful for you. I was just looking at through, strolling through, scrolling through here, looking at some of the ones. I just want to give a shout out. I want to say, hey, hi to my good friends, uh, Larry and Kathleen in Illinois. Uh, we got Liz today watching in Tennessee. Hey, Liz. Um, Mark, love your tie. Mickey Mouse needs Jesus too. Um, I want to say hi to uh, Michelle, hoping that the presence of the Lord is very real in your home today. Um, I noticed that Sherry's on here from Tennessee. Hey, Sherry. How about John and Deb from Florida? And just wanted to say hi to all of our friends down south, we're looking forward to you coming back. Be safe down there. Um, we got Mary from Delaware, Tom and Nita from Kansas, my friends in Kansas, uh, love you. Um, I'm just looking through here. Wow, we got, hey, my good friend, Alan, who's just south of us here. Hey, Alan, we're gonna get together soon for lunch. Uh, hey, Bonaire Church here in town, welcome. We are so thankful for you and praying for you uh, during these days. Um, I want to say hi to um, Jeff and Nancy watching in Iowa. Love you. Um, also to uh, Bo and Tammy in Kansas. Um, good friends. Hey, did you know that um, <laughs> we even have a general superintendent on here today? So, hey, Carla, uh, look forward to having you here. Look forward to having you speak on this stage sometime, sometime very soon. Um, before I forget, because some of you haven't forgot, uh, you remember last week, I asked some of you, how many of you would like a $100 bill? I actually have it today. Um, and so last week, in an illustration, we talked about our value to God is not based upon what happens to us, whether we're crumpled up or stepped on or whatever has happened to us in our life. We still have the same value to God. And so last week, at a certain point in the message, I said the first one that responds with, I want $100 online, wins that $100. So our winner from last week is Colette Hoover. This is yours, I've got it. And uh, you, have, you have one minute to come and claim this. <laughs> no, actually, I will get this to you this week, but uh, congratulations on that. Um, we are so thankful that all of you are with us. And today we're gonna begin a journey together over the next few weeks. And to start out, I wanna ask you a question. What words would you use to describe the ministry or the life of Jesus? Would you, you know, would it be words like average, easygoing, um, ordinary, common, tolerable, compliant? Would you use those words to describe the ministry and the life of Jesus? Probably not. A better choice of words might be revolutionary, surprising, um, progressive, generous, extreme. He was more than what people expected. And so over the next few weeks, we're gonna journey on a, uh, together on how I can become more. I want more, a fully devoted life 
for Christ because there are Christians who are looking for more. There are people that aren't Christians that are looking for more in Christians than just the ordinary, the superficial that they see who simply go to church or just those that watch online but their lives really aren't affected much by that. Um, They're looking for something that gives them hope. They are looking for something more. Um, You know, Jesus' disciples wanted more. I was studying on the disciples and the life of the disciples this week, and the more that they were around Jesus, the more they wanted to be like him. And they believed in him enough that history tells them that, tells us that most of them died excruciating deaths because of their faith in Christ. For example, Matthew, they tell us, was beheaded in Ethiopia for his bold faith in Christ. Mark was dragged by horses through the streets of Egypt until he was dead. Luke was hanged in Greece for his tremendous preaching to the lost. John was boiled in oil for his faith, and yet he survived, in fact, He's the only disciple that will actually die a peaceful death in his old age. Peter, who felt he wasn't worthy to die in the same manner of our Lord Jesus Christ, and so he asked that he would be crucified upside down. James the Younger, they tell us, was thrown off of the temple a hundred feet down, and then they gathered around him and they beat him to death with clubs because of his bold faith in Christ. James, the son of Zebedee, was beheaded in Jerusalem. They tell us that the Roman officer that followed him to his place of execution and guarded him was so amazed at his faith that with his head lying on the ground, he knelt beside the head of James and gave his life to Christ. Bartholomew was martyred for his bold preaching in Armenia where he was cut open, skinned, and then beheaded. Andrew, who was beaten severely, then he was tied to a cross with cords so that he would endure pain much longer and there breathed his last breath. Thomas, who was burned alive after being stabbed and tormented with red hot irons and then he was burned alive for refusing to denounce his faith even to his last breath. They tell us that Jew was killed with arrows, that Matthias was beheaded, that the apostle Paul was tortured and then beheaded after a lengthy imprisonment. But during that imprisonment, Paul gave us what we now know as most of the New Testament that has led and influenced and strengthened billions of people for Christ. Because even death could not stop their message, the message that they proclaimed. And as I read this week about the undevotion, or about the undying devotion to Christ of his disciples, There were moments that I just 
wept because it exposes my heart and how very short I fall when it comes to the kind of devotion that they showed, how our sufferings here are so minor compared to the sufferings that, that they went through. And I just, I read about that in my heart. I just wanna say, I want more. I want my life to be for more than just ordinary. I want more than lukewarm Christianity. I, I want more than just a partially devoted life to Christ. I want more. Because I'm just telling you, as I read through, as I read through this book, what I find is, is that a lesser version falls short and leaves me very empty. It was Jesus who said in Revelation, I, I know you well. Talking to the church, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other, but since you are merely lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I'm rich, I have everything that I need or want, I, I, I don't need a thing, and, and you don't realize, come on, listen, church, you don't realize that spiritually you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. And if you will give me the privilege this morning, if you will allow me, I wanna share three short stories today. I want you to see people who, though they were in difficult circumstances, though they were in hard times, through their desire for more, through their desire not to be spiritually lukewarm, they found great joy and strength. And so our first story is the story of the children of, of Israel. In Exodus, we find them in bondage under the oppression of the Pharaoh of Egypt. They were mistreated, they worked day and night, Many were beaten, many were killed. It appeared that there was no way out for them, so God raised up a man, a, a guy named Moses, to say to the Pharaoh, you let my people go. And through a series of events, a series really of miracles, Pharaoh, Pharaoh finally released the people of God, and Moses led over three million people to freedom and they're rejoicing because they are finally freed but then all of a sudden they come up against a barrier they come up against the red sea and they are stuck there and they turn around to move backwards and there they saw that pharaoh was now in hot pursuit and they see the army of egypt behind them and the red sea before them and their lives were filled with fear but fear led them to a place where they wanted more and they cry out to God. And when they cry out to God, God moves. And you know the story, he opens up the sea in a miraculous way and the children of Israel walk through the sea on dry land and they are singing. And you know, you can just imagine to see that miracle, they are singing, they are shouting, they're praising God and they get to the other side and it's all great until they turn around and they see that the enemy is still 
coming and fear sets in again. Come on, does anybody know what I'm talking about? This cycle of rejoicing and then fear, rejoicing and God doing something in our lives and then there's fear again. So again, God moves and he closed up the Red Sea. He destroyed the enemy. And the scripture tells us there was great shouting for all that God had done for them. It was their fear that gave them a desire for more from God. And when you walk with God, what many times seems to be your worst nightmare, if you will let it and if you will watch for it, it often becomes your greatest blessing. That's why Isaiah said, God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. As the heavens are high above the earth, so are God's ways and thoughts high above ours. Some of you are believing God for your your kids or your loved ones, that they will come into a relationship with him, and that is a great thing. And you think like, you know, you're just praying that, uh, oh God, if, if, if I could just get them to church and get them on that third row or get them online so that they can watch up close, God, you could hit them right there with a lightning bolt while a song's being sung or while pastor's preaching, and you could just save them right there. Well, now listen, that, that is one way. But can I tell you, God has a thousand other ways that he can move? <laughs> God can cause conviction to hit them while they're driving down the road. I've had people tell me, Pastor, I was, under, I was driving down the road and all of a sudden uh, something popped into my mind and I felt the presence of God in the car and I was so under conviction, I had to pull over right there on the side of the road and give my life to Christ. God can bring someone across their path, an influence, a friend. God can grip their hearts even while they're scrolling through Facebook and they're like, oh, there's this... There's something going on there in Kokomo. Let me tune into that. And, and God could move in their heart. I could just tell you story after story after story of how God supernaturally touched people who weren't even in church. And so what I would just challenge all of us during these days is let's not limit God. Don't limit God during this pandemic. He will do more, exceedingly more than we could think or imagine that he could do. He can provide every, come on, listen. He can provide every resource that you need even if you don't see it. He can use you in ways during this time to touch and bless and help and encourage and influence people more than you ever thought he could. He can provide Come on, let's get personal where I'm living. He can provide every need that we have for our church. And I believe that enough to look into this camera to you today and say, because of that belief, I will not fear. We will not fear as a church. The children of Israel teach us this desire for God to do more. Our second story talks about a guy named Daniel. In Daniel, we find his story of the story of Daniel's commitment to God, but it was this commitment to God that got him into trouble. 
It was his commitment to God that brought fear into his life because he prayed openly to God, even though he was told not to. He prayed openly to God, and it put him in a den of hungry lions. And you know the story all night long. The king couldn't sleep because anytime you move against God, listen, your conscience knows you've done wrong, and the Holy Spirit will speak to your heart, and you will feel uncomfortable, and you will know that you have done wrong. Listen, that is what we call conviction. It is the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Some of you that are watching right now, you are uncomfortable even now as I'm speaking because there are things you are doing and ways that you are living that you know are not pleasing to God. And anytime you get around something like a service like this or around things of God, you feel uncomfortable because you are moving against God. And that always brings unrest in our spirit. And that is the Holy Spirit that convicts us because he loves us and he is drawing us back. Early the next morning, the king calls out and um, Daniel responds back to him. And it says, when Daniel was lifted from the den, there was no wound found on him because why? Because he trusted in his God. Daniel had more. And God, if you read the rest of the story, God used his more to change an entire nation. Our third story is the story of Paul and Silas. I wish I had time just to preach this passage. Paul and Silas are in prison, and they are in prison simply because they are obeying God and they are proclaiming God. They have been beaten. They have been tortured. They're chained together. They are probably thinking to themselves, come on, all we did is obey God, and this is what we're getting. Because sometimes obedience does not take you out of the problem, sometimes it puts you right in the middle of a problem. But a problem from God always has a purpose involved. And in Acts 16, we read this about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. That's a good thing to do when you're in trouble. You pray and you worship. And the other prisoners were listening to them. And that's a whole different message too, because in what we're going through, there are other people who are listening to us, who are watching us. How are we going to respond to all of this? And suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundation of the prison were shaken. And at once all the prison doors just flew open and everybody's chains came loose. I love that. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword. He's about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had all escaped because the law was if he lost a prisoner, he lost his life. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Because when we are faithful, even in the trials and struggles of life, God will use you to have influence on people around you that will want to know more about him. And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus, you will be saved, you and your household. The jailer took them, washed their wounds, and immediately he and all his family believed in God and were baptized. 
Because a faithful testimony in the midst of a crisis in your life will not only help you, it will help others as well. And the thing is, God, the jailer, well, back to the scripture, the jailer brought them into his house, set a meal before them, and the whole family was filled with joy because they had come to believe. And here's what I want you to know. God will use the very thing that caused you fear. He will use that to bring glory to his name and bless you for your faith, and he will bless others around you. Listen, it was their faithfulness that brought about more of God than they ever thought they had seen before. You can't live in this power. If you're just a lukewarm Christian. I was thinking this week, Vicki and I have lived our lives, not perfectly, but as obedient as we have known how to our entire married life. We just have. Sometimes people will say or will or they'll think, oh man, you're just so radical how you're living your life like that. Like like some people will say, like, how could you give like 20% of your income to God? How how, how that's just that's just crazy. That's radical. How, how could you move across the country, leave your family and friends? How, how could you give so much time to the church, you know, beyond what is normally expected. How, how can you trust God with your future like that? That's just so, that's just so radical. And I, I, I hear stuff like that from time to time. And, um, and then I start reading through this book, especially in the Old Testament. And I just wanna say, like, are you kidding me? Because as I read through, as I read through this book and I study the people throughout these pages, and then I look at my life, and I'm thinking that should be normal for my, for all of us as Christians the way they lived, radically just giving their lives to God. Uh, you know, I'm thinking this should be normal. Our life is nothing in comparison to what the early church went through for the sake of the gospel that exploded Christianity into all the world, our life is nothing in comparison to what they went through. Like, like if you were to put, like if you were to put our story in this book right here, like, and there is a story that we are writing right now, you do realize that though it's not written down in a hard copy right now, there is a story of our lives that is being written on the great story of Christ and his church, and you are writing a story and I'm writing a story. But if you put our life story in this book, let's just like, like if you went to, uh, if you went to like 2 Corinthians, and, and you're reading, let's say, like uh, chapter 11 in 2 Corinthians. And, it's, and, and you're reading through words like this. So this is the apostle Paul talking. He's talking about his life as a follower of Christ. He says, I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death time and time again. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one, which meant death. 
Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from the Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. I've labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have gone without food. I've been cold and naked. <laughs> and then you like turn the page and then you read, Tim had to stay at home for a few weeks with Vicky and not eat out at restaurants. <laughs> and you're like, you're like, what? What would you think? You'd be like, no, 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 I don't wanna read about that. Give me back, give me back to Paul. Take me back to Paul and Silas in prison. Or, or you read Paul and Cyrus, like we read today, are in jail for saying simply that Jesus is Lord. And they're beaten and they're put in chains and they have open sores. And you're reading about their commitment to Christ and leading people, even in that, leading people to the Lord. And then you read Tim and Vicki had to sell their house and move to a strange land in Indiana among strange people. <laughs> And you're like, really? Like, oh, he's, that's radical. No, no, I don't care about that. Give me back to Paul and Silas in prison, singing to God and praying to God in the midst of their bleeding and suffering for the gospel. That's the kind of fully devoted life I want to read about. You read about Daniel thrown into a den of lions like we just read, and, and, and he's thrown in just for praying boldly and and he just won't give up. He just prays more and more. And then you read, Christians couldn't go to church. They had to stay home and watch the service on their couch in their PJs. <laughs> like, really? No one will read our chapter and go like, wow. No, go back and tell me about the faith of Daniel that stands boldly before a king in a country and then stands in the midst of roaring lions and he has fearless courage for God that ultimately changed the nations. That's the kind of faith, that's the kind of fully devoted life I want. For these light, Paul said now, remember the list of all the things Paul had been through, all the beatings, all the stuff. And then he says, in regards to those, here's what he says. For these light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that outweighs them all. Sometimes I sit as I read through this book and I just, I just wonder how many, how many of us, how many of our churches align our lives with this book? What, what, what's really weird? What's, what's more weird? A person who aligns their lives with this book and lives by faith based upon God's faithfulness and provision and blessing, does that make more sense or, or does it make more sense to live my life for the temporary things of this life that are gonna be gone one day soon? 
You know, in England, there is a spot near Oxford. There, there is a, a street there, and, and, and it's paved except for one spot. And on that one spot in the middle of the road is an original brick that is there. It is, it is uh, preserved because it is the spot that Latimer and Ridley were burned to death for their faith. They would not renounce the name of Jesus. And I just say, imagine our names and our stories written next to these. David Platt says, we have settled for a lesser version of Christianity in America that revolves around having our needs met when the central message of Christianity is actually about abandoning ourselves. And I don't want that. And my prayer for myself and my prayer for all of you in these days and in the days that lie before us is that we would pray, oh God, less of me and more of you. I really believe God is using this time of pandemic around the world to plead with people to give up their one and only life and join these heroes of the faith that we read about today uh, who hunger for God to do more in them. They want more and they would lay their lives down until God would just do more. Some of you are in some real battles right now, and I, I get that. Um, some of you are going through, with all this craziness, some of you are going through some real financial struggles. Some of you are going through um, physical things. Some of you have loved ones that it's very serious. I'm not downplaying that. I, I get that. I just want to remind us as a people of God today through the word of God that if you will hold on, if you will get on your knees, if you will talk to God, if you will live by this book, if you will endure hardship for his glory, be faithful in spite of what you see, that even though you are going through some days of fear, that through your faithfulness, not only will God sustain you and not only will God use you and use your life as a testimony to your family and to your friends and in your church, but he will use your faithfulness in such amazing ways that on the other side of whatever it is that you're facing right now, you will come to say, I am thankful for what God allowed me to go through, for I was not alone. The very presence of God was closer to me and sweeter to me than I ever dreamed it could be. In 40 years of ministry, I've stood by the bedside more times than I care to count of those who um, are about to leave this world. And I've held the hand of a dear saint that have said things like, Pastor, I've lived my whole life by this book. God has been so good to me. 
I've given him my life. I've given him my possessions. I know there is a heaven. And in a few moments, I will stand before him and I will see him face to face. And what I have heard over and over again is this. I just wish I had given him more. There's an old hymn that has incredible theology and in times when I find myself overwhelmed in situations I'd rather not be in, maybe more than any other song that gives me peace and gives me encouragement and gives me help, it is this song. It was written by, it was written by a young lady who was born in poverty. Her parents were both killed when she was just a child. She was in orphanages all of her life. She had a dream as a teenager to be a concert pianist and she began to start to play the piano and um, that dream died when she developed uh, a condition that began to deform her body and horrible rheumatoid arthritis crippled her hands and her legs and it began to destroy her body until she was just deformed. They say that she never complained from the moment she got it until the day she died. They say that she was such an encourager, even in her pain, that she had a sense of humor. And if you were around her, she would lift you out of whatever you were in by her encouragement and blessing. One day in her pain, she wrote these words. He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when the labors increase. To added afflictions, he addeth his mercy to multiplied trials, <laughs> his multiplied peace. For his love has no limit, his grace has no measure. His power has no boundaries known unto man, for out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and he giveth and he giveth again. And maybe your greatest need today is an undeserving measure of God's grace on your life for whatever you're going through and wherever you find yourself, whatever stage of life you are in. Whatever it is that you are going through, even right now. And could I just say something? It's a little different. We're not gathered in this place, but could I just say something to some of you that are watching right now who have never asked Jesus into your heart? Listen, you know it's not a difficult thing to do. <laughs> it is so easy. You, you just have to pray a prayer. You mean it from the bottom of your heart. You ask him to forgive you. You ask him to live within you. You ask him to be your source of strength and help. 
and I wanna pray for you. And then I wanna pray a prayer for some of you that you are a Christian and you have given your life to him, but the truth about your life is it could be defined best by what Jesus said in Revelation 13. You are not hot or cold, you are lukewarm. And I think during these days of what we're facing, God is calling you to a greater depth of his grace and a more devoted, fully devoted life than ever before. And for some of you, it might be as simple as opening your hands right now like this, just wherever you are watching, just to open your hands up and to say, God, I want more of you in these days. I want to give you more of my life. I want to be fully devoted to you. I want more of you. Let's pray. For those of you that have never asked Christ into your heart, just pray this prayer. Jesus, come into my heart and save me of my sin. Because my sin separates me from you. Forgive me. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Your word tells me you are my friend. I repent of my sins. I turn my life over to you. You are now my Lord. You are now my Savior. And I will serve you all the days of my life. And for some of you that have prayed that prayer, but you are, there is a desire within you today for something more from him. It's just opening our hands and maybe praying something like this. Father, I want my life to be fully devoted to you. My story may not be as profound as those of the disciples. I may never have to lay my life down for the sake of the gospel, but if I had to, I would proudly do it. But I will lay my life down in the sense that I will give you who I am and I will give you my resources and I will give you my talents and my gifts and the words that I say. And I pray that you will use me every day as a vessel that your Holy Spirit works through to touch and change the world around me. Thank you for your grace, the unmerited favor that we have with God and that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We pray in his name, amen.